there. Welcome to today's episode of Lifestyle Matters and we're joined once again by Fergal Armstrong. Welcome Fergal. How are you today? I'm well, Savina. How are you? I'm good. So Fergal, I thought today we might explore a little bit more um, on our last episode where we talked about stress. Um, we Where we left off was that stress in the right doses and right tools to manage it can in fact be a a great tool to have to motivate us to be more productive in our lives. Uh, But not many of us are actually equipped with those tools. And sometimes, I guess when stress gets quite, you know, if there's a huge amount of stress in our lives, we end up feeling overwhelmed. And we just, you know, sort of like a fish out of water, not sure what to do, how to manage it and how to cope. And I've been in that situation. I'm not sure about you, but I have been there. And I thought it would be good to actually talk about some ways on how we could better manage our stress so that we can function better. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Savina. I mean, we know that a third of people at any, on a, per day actually experience levels of stress that impede their performance. And as you say, this goes back to the Yerkes-Dodson curve where people have too much stress and therefore are distressed and are impaired. And so a, a slight reduction in the levels of stress will actually get them back to peak performance. So the question then becomes, how do we actually reduce the impact of stress in our lives? And I divide the interventions into behavioral interventions and cognitive interventions. If we think about behavioral interventions, we have to think about physical exercise. We have to think about adequate sleep. We have to think about Tai Chi. We have to think about yoga. We have to think about mindful eating. These are just some of the behavioral uh, activities that we can actually do regularly that will, by the mere physical act of performing these activities will reduce our stress. And we can go into those uh, later on. The cognitive interventions I think about in terms of primarily um, reducing stress and then also specific interventions for relaxation therapy. So the interventions that we can use to to, uh, reduce stress on a cognitive level include things like meditation, mindfulness, contemplation, um, and specific interventions that we can use to uh, reduce or in- improve our relaxation include things like gratitude, you know, writing gratitude letters that can improve our psychology, which means we can cope better with stress. Um, making an inventory of our strengths, uh, acts of kindness, acts of spirituality. Um, Self-love is another fun. thing, isn't it? Self-love, yeah. having fun and, and noting and levering our past successes. These are all things which which can actually improve our positive psychology and can improve on a cognitive level our ability to relax and then can also improve our our ability to manage stress. And there's another group of interventions which in which reduce the the effect of stress on our bodies. And that's that includes things like grinding, um, autogenic training, square breathing, um, and also uh, progressive muscle relaxation. And I think it's a, I think we should really spend some time talking about each of these interventions in turn. But overall, those are my, that, that's the panoramic view that I have of the interventions that we can use to deal with stress and therefore move ourselves away from the high end of stress where we are, where our performance is impeded to moderate levels of stress, use stress where our performance is actually at its peak. 
And I think it's an important point you make there because sometimes it, it varies. Firstly, different people will have different ways they'll find um, different methods they'll find to help reduce stress levels effectively. Mm. That's one aspect. Yeah. And the other thing is also the situations we might be in. So sometimes in a one situation A, we might find doing more, for example, progressive muscle relaxation more useful. And in a situation mm. B, we might find, you know, breathing exercises more useful. And it, so it's a good, yeah. you know, it's good to know those broad ways of trying to reduce our stress um, and not just yeah. focusing on one. So it's, it's a very good point that you've made. There's many ways to manage yeah. stress, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and that that list that I've given you, I mean, they're they're they are simply the tip of the iceberg, and how we can actually improve our positive psychology, relax ourselves, and manage our stress. But it's a good list to start off with, isn't it? Yeah, and I'll just start off by by talking about self love and self care because I don't think we do enough of that. You know, there are very few people that I have met who actually love themselves. And when you don't love yourself, you don't actually, you know, provide enough gratitude for yourself for what you do and you don't appreciate what you've done. And you end up putting mm. more pressure on yourself and more stress on yourself. And that just makes everything even more overwhelming. So I think yeah. the first management is actually coming from deep within yourself, um, learning how to yeah. be comfortable in your own skin and caring and loving what you are. Um, and yeah. that your external factors would be a lot easier to manage. And I think, I mean, uh, to, if I could reflect on that, there are certain groups of people that really do need to, to do that. And those are the individuals who are that, the, the type A high achievers who are always driven to do more. Uh, and those who are perfectionistic in their outlook and possibly have obsessive compulsive personality traits. You can get yeah. too stuck into the finer details and lose sense yeah. of the bigger picture yeah. and all lose that. Lose sense yeah. of the bigger picture. So yeah. those kinds of people, they need to realize that if something is worthwhile doing, it's worth doing badly. And uh, they need to be kind to themselves and to, to accept that they're not superhuman. Yeah. I think that's a very yeah. important point for lots of uh, people. Yeah. I yeah. suppose really if I could sum it up, it's anyone who's driven by, by the fear of failure. Mm. Yeah. yeah think, Fear yeah. of failure is one thing. Uh, very, very, um, very, I guess it's a very important thing to mention because, you know, what I think there was, there is sort of a thing where if you are afraid of your um, past, you are more, you know, you're more likely to develop depression. And if you're more afraid of your current present time, you are more likely to experience stress. Um and that all comes down from fear in the end, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, shall we break it down into, so we talked about, shall we start with the um, physical activities and how that might help to manage our stress levels? Yeah, so in terms of physical activities, I think of Tai Chi yoga. Uh, those are the, and, you know, and, well, first of all, any exercise, so going for a walk, Um or any sport, you know, any sport that takes your mind is distracts you away from the problems that you're facing and then also increases your heart rate, gets you breaking a sweat, releases endorphins, anything. But then Tai Chi and yoga are also well documented to, to actually reduce stress. I mean, we know that people who, who do yoga at least three times a week for, uh, for I think over a year, I think there's, there was evidence that they actually have found on brain scans that their prefrontal cortices are actually thicker. And they've got greater connectivity between various brain structures, which allows them to deal with stress and also deal with pain. So, yeah. you know, it, it's it's not just mumbo jumbo. It's not easy. 
they've actually seen it in um, scientific evidence in imaging um, to see how this prefrontal cortex is light up after doing um, uh, pro prolonged activities of yoga and um, meditation and things like that. So yeah, you're quite right. And I guess also um, they've also found things like, you know, if you are doing, if you adhere to regular physical exercise, it actually reduce, helps reduce your anxiety, state of anxiety and helps reduce your stress levels too. Um, yeah, it also helps you reduce depression. I mean, there's actually a dose-dependent uh, relationship between physical, physical activity and an improvement in depression. If you exercise where you burn 17 and a half kilocalories per kilogram per day, you increase your likelihood of treating depression. Hmm. Now, how do you get to that? I mean, that's a very mathematical way of describing. Basically, if you adhere to the recommend, current recommended activity guidelines in Australia, you have a good chance of actually reducing your depression. And so those activity guidelines actually say uh, two and a half hours of moderate activity. Yeah, week. so the, you're referring more to aerobic sort of activity. Yeah. Um, in yeah. line with this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, not so, sorry, 150 minutes, not two and a half hours, one and a half hours. 150 minutes, yes. Yeah. 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 Does that also translate to if you do 75 minutes of rigorous activity a week, would you still I, achieve I, the same I benefit? So, I reckon so, because remember the mathematical formula is 17 and a half kilocalories per kilogram per day. So if you yeah. do vigorous activity, you're burning more kilo kilocalories yep. per kilogram. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can tell you firsthand, like, you know, when I've had a stressful day at work, I come back, if I go to the gym, I actually feel a lot better. It's like a, you feel yeah. like a load off you. Um, it just makes Absolutely. you feel a lot lighter. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's all not just, I guess, psychological there must be something yeah. else happening in the brain chemical change. There must be something else, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess the other thing is, um, you know, we talked about uh, – we, we didn't mention actually diet um, at the start of it. Um, well, well, I, I suppose there's a number of things to say about diet, but the better evidence for diet is more for depression. But if we're looking at actual stress, uh, it's, it's slightly, slightly different. But we know that, for instance, you know, if you trans fats increases your risk of depression, if you replace trans fats with MUFAs and PUFAs, it reduces your risk of depression. And we know that, um, uh, you know, a healthy plant-based, predominantly plant-based food diet will actually improve depression. There's very good evidence for that. But if we slightly veer away from that, we look into kind of substances, we know that there's a bi-directional relationship between alcohol and depression and also alcohol and anxiety. We also know that actually, you know, a lot of people drink caffeine because of mental health issues. So, but we know that actually caffeine is protective against depression, but it actually worsens stress and anxiety. So I think it's really important to emphasize that if you, if you are feeling stressed and anxious, you really do need to stop the stimulants. I mean, I see, I'm sure you do as well. I see a lot of people in my practice who, who present with insomnia and they say, oh, I want something to sleep. Or can't sleep, therefore I feel tired in the day, therefore I take stimulants, i.e. caffeine. And to actually say to people, you must completely abstain from all forms of caffeine and anything like caffeine. So you've got to abstain from chocolate, uh, coffee, tea. And in fact, really, the only thing you can drink really are herbal teas or clear, or clear water. That sometimes is a very difficult message to get across to patients because they're, they are so, pardon the word, but they're so addicted to their morning coffee. But it really does make a significant difference. If you can get rid of the caffeine, your anxiety will reduce. 
I'll be guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I would I would caution people watching this to, to 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 make sure they understand that actually caffeine is protective against depression. So if you're dealing with depression, I don't necessarily advise cessation of caffeine. If you're dealing with anxiety disorders or PTSD or insomnia or nightmare disorders, absolutely stop all the caffeine, stop all of the other stimulants. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that we ask about when someone comes with palpitations, when they feel like their heart is beating, yeah. you know, really yeah. fast or having some sort of like a panic yeah. attack, um, you know, what the caffeine intake is. Yeah. And there's a reason behind it because it stimulates, you know, I guess um, yeah. our sympathetic nervous system and then it increases our heart rate, increases our metabolic rate and, mm -hmm. so, and so on. And you would feel yeah. more, uh, in a more higher state of anxiety. Um, the other issue which, is, of course, if we're talking about, you know, caffeine and, and alcohol, we also need to think about tobacco smoking and nicotine. And we know that people who smoke, young people who smoke are at risk of depression and people with depression uh, are at risk of smoking. And also we know that actually people say to me, oh, look, you know, when I'm feeling stressed, I actually take a cigarette. Well, actually, in the longer term, smoking actually increases anxiety. So whilst they, it may act as a short-term crutch, it really does in the long term, uh, it, it really does uh, increase anxiety levels. So if you're feeling stressed in the longer term, you do need to stop for the fags. So telling people to stop the fags, stop the booze, stop the caffeine, eat more plants, do more exercise, start doing yoga and tai chi. <laughs> it's easy to say, but it is quite a hard sell, isn't it? You know, but these are all very valid behavioral interventions for stress management and anxiety management. And as you pointed out, it's hard because, you know, that's those are the things that we tend to reach for when we are stressed um, because yeah. our body craves for it, our mind craves for it, and we reach for it. But yeah. then in the actual fact, it's actually causing more long-term harm. It might be providing yeah. short-term relief, but we don't think about the long-term harm. And it's a very yeah. hard message to get across. So my advice usually, I'm not sure how you approach this, is I usually sort of tread the water slowly and, you know, probably start with one substance that yeah. you know an individual i, I advise caffeine cessation first for me it's caffeine yeah. stop the because coffees. It, yeah it's, and so that when you yeah. do your smoking and everything it's a lot easier as we have discussed previously yeah. in the episodes yeah no that's yeah. a good point and it's going to be a bit easier i think to give up caffeine than smoking or alcohol or recreational drugs yeah. for some um, i mean i personally drink caffeine free coffee so i go to you know coffee shops and say can i have a decaf double shot latte and they look, look at me and laugh <laughs> that's what i like <laughs> i have noticed that Fogel, but yeah. <laughs> what are you what are your thoughts about vitamin b12 so even today i had a patient um talk to me about um starting vitamin b mega complex and they found their anxiety levels um better what do you yeah. have any advice when someone talks to you about this or asks for your advice? Look, as a general rule, I don't recommend vitamin supplements unless there's an identified vitamin deficiency. Um, look, there's a, there's a, there, there are professionals who advocate high doses of various types of vitamins for various ailments, but I'm not an expert in that kind of medicine. Mm -hmm. I don't know enough about it to either say yay or nay. But I don't recommend supplementation unless I've got a proven deficiency. Now, yeah. that's not to say in terms of B12, that's not to say that all B12 has got to be pernicious anemia. There, you know, there are various other causes of, of relative deficiency of B12, certainly associated with um, atrophic gastritis in the elderly or um, the use of proton pump inhibitors in people with gastritis or reflux disease. 
that would be like so, Nexium you know, and Somac and, yeah, and Nexium, the common and ones. Like yeah. yeah, 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 yes. And I, I agree with you there. I think unless someone's a you know, for example, a vegetarian or a vegan, um, then sometimes I might choose to, I guess I take it a step further. If they're in that situation, then I might choose to say, if you wanted to try something natural, we could try this and see how we go for a few months. Mm. Um, but, you know, my my stance would be quite similar to yours, where I would say, let's try to get it from our foods. Because really, if you ate the right foods, like your whole grains, your vegetables, your whole food plant-based diet, you are going yeah. to get those vitamins um, essentially um, by eating lots of beans and dairy and things like that too. So, sure. yeah. Okay. So we talked about the exercise, how we could manage, how stress can help reduce our, well, manage, help us manage our stress levels, how diet potentially can have a role or including substance use. Um, well, let's talk about the cognitive therapy, uh, cognitive aspect of um, stress management. Yeah. What's your so take are, on that one? There are two main therapies that are that are so that, that have got a significant vast evidence base for the for the management of stress and anxiety and depression. That is one, one is mindfulness, the other one is, is cognitive behavioral therapy. So if we look at mindfulness first, it was invented by John Cabot Zinn in the sixties, I think. Yep. And it's fundamentally the process of developing a beginner's curiosity the curious mind, the observing curious mind, where you actually are aware of your stress and you're accepting of the stress, you're watching it, you're monitoring it, and you know, you, you, you know that it's going to pass over you. You know, all things will pass. Uh, it also involves a certain amount of, you know, constant mindful activities whereby you are focusing your your mind on what you're doing in the here and now. So there is a, an idea of living in the present, living in the here and now. So, you know, you can be mindful when you're washing the dishes. You can be mindful when you're having dinner. You can be mindful when you're talking to your spouse. And so that's one of the things that, I, that I'm very guilty of. My wife frequently tells me that I'm not paying attention to her. And I say to her, well, how do you know? I mean, she's right because I'm daydreaming. But I, but it is, but it, what it's taught me is it's really obvious to your to people around you if you're not actually giving them their, your full mindful attention. So this focusing of your awareness and focusing of your attention actually has been proven to provide positive benefits in the long term with regards to mental health, including stress, and also with regards to various other uh, pain conditions as well. I think it's hard, though, isn't it? It in this modern world, though, we've got so many responses. Yeah. They're all juggling with different things, um, yeah, and you know. But well, re remember, we cannot multitask. Only I think two or three percent. <laughs> Unless you're of the a population. woman. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> far be it for me to say, right? But this includes women. You, the only two or three percent of the of the population can genuinely multitask. Everyone else has a has they only got the ability to do one thing at one time and so if you're having to shift your focus from one thing to another to another to a third to a fourth you are experiencing what are known as attentional blinks and so you're losing productivity mm. and you're not able to be as productive and when you're stressed we then tend to be more scattered in our focus so the whole idea with mindfulness and, and meditation for that matter is that we actually learn to develop a laser light intense focus and to put that focus on whatever it is we're doing at that time. 
And so we end up being more productive and we end up developing techniques to reduce our stress. So actually, in this modern day and age, we do need to actually be more focused rather than less focused. Scatterbrain, the scatterbrain multitasking approach is actually contributing to our stress. But I'd have people ask me then, how do you manage all your, you know, list of A to Z, just focusing on one task at a, at a single time and at a given time? And I guess my advice would be to prioritize your tasks, have a well, list and say what you're going to do, what's priority, what do you need to get done today? And then sort of focus that time absolutely. for each task. So I have, I have a to-do list, as you say, and it's an ever-expanding to-do list. But once it's on my to-do list, I can relax. The other thing I do is the Pomodoro method, which is whereby you have this timer uh, that, that, that breaks your time, your, your productive time into 15 to 20 minute chunks. And so every 15 minutes, you do nothing but that task. And then you have a five, 10 minute break. You can do all of the other stuff that you need to do. You might even go for a walk. You might have a cup of tea. You might have a chat. You might put the, the washing in the laundry. And then you go back for another 15 minutes to 20 minutes and you focus on your task. And you do that three or four times. And it's actually amazing how much you actually you get achieved in that productive time when you are doing nothing but productive tasks. I can vouch so for that actually. Um, yeah. So my husband, as you know, does he's doing his PhD, and some they've got these Pomodoro workshops where the PhD students sit down, work on the task for X amount of time, have a break, and then they continue doing that. And he has found that productivity does increase when he actually joins those workshops. So. Yeah. And that's because you're focusing all your mind on just that one task at that given time. And you know that's all yeah. you've got for that. So it's that pressure of time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So we all have the same amount of time in the day. No one's got more time than anyone else. And time is, I think, one of our the our most precious commodity. We're all mortal beings. So in that regard, there is nothing more precious than our time. So the question is, how do we use it most productively? So there are, I mean, there's also the issue about, um, um, you know, the, 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 the parable of the teacup or sorry, the parable of the bucket. So, you know, a man goes to another man and says, fill this bucket with, with, um, with rocks. And he fills it up with rocks and he says, is this full? I said, okay, well, look, look at this pile of stones. Can you get any stones into it? And so, of course, you can get a few stones and he jiggles it around. And is it full now? I said, yes. Well, look at this pile of sand. Can you get the grains? Can you get some sand into it? And, and the guy puts a couple of grains, of, uh, a couple of buckets of, uh, or cups of sand into the bucket, shakes it down, and it fills up with sand. And then the man uh, asks the second man, well, is it full now? He says, yeah, it's absolutely full. He says, here's two cups of coffee, pour it in. So the moral of the story is if you use your, your available time productively and effectively, and you, you, you use the time that you would, you would not think of as productive time to do productive tasks, if you do that, you always have time for a cup of coffee with a friend. And so an example of that is, you know, I, I listen to podcasts in the car. I know you listen to podcasts in the car. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm standing at a bus stop, I'll look at my sequence repetition software, my Anki program. So these are things that I, that I do all day that allow me to actually be more productive in time that is not necessarily traditionally productive time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's using that sort of dead time to be more productive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Turn dead time into productive time. Yeah. So those are really great tools that we can use to help reduce our stress levels and to function better in our lives. But there are many other ways to help improve this. Some of it includes um, resiliency and CBT, which we would dis discuss further in our next episode, given that we're running out of time today. So thank you so much for your time, Fergal, today. That was a great chat. I look forward to seeing you 
next time. Music